Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We always appreciate being a part of your day. We're going to have a busy show today. We're going to be talking with Angus Kelly, the National Corn Growers Director of Public Policy, here in just a moment about the pending Mexican ban on GMO corn imports from the United States. We'll get some details on that. And then in segment two, Katie Dellinger, the farm business editor at DTN, will join the show. Learning season is kicking off, and the DTN Summit is coming up shortly. And in segment three, we'll dig into these markets, seeing a rally in soybeans today. Also saw news of a landslide in Brazil. I'll ask Arlen Suderman in segment three if those two events are connected. And we'll close the show with our friend Charles Barron over at the Farmers Business Network about their Farmer to Farmer conference that's happening next week. Let's dive in to events happening here today in the world of agriculture, notably this proposal by the country of Mexico to ban imports of GMO corn could have a huge impact. I wanted to go right to the source. So we're joined now by Angus Kelly, National Corn Growers Association Director of Public Policy. And Angus, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Let's start at the very beginning. Angus, what is Mexico proposing to do and importantly, when? Well, I'm gonna make a, a slight correction. You're talking about a pending biotech ban. Really on, uh, it was, uh, to be precise, December 31st, 2020. So when a lot of us were waking up with uh, maybe a hangover on New Year's Day in 2021, um, uh, we had just gotten the announcement out of the National Palace in Mexico City that the president said no more GM corn be, is going to be imported. Uh, uh, and if it's been treated with glyphosate, brand name Roundup, course it's generic so it has it goes by a lot of names then we don't want that either and then by extension that could apply to other commodities like cotton canola soybeans a few others so corn wasn't the only isn't the only crop imp, uh, implicated when you're talking about roundup and and of course gm technology so they made that announcement uh very beginning in 2021 and they said, we're going to fully implement that by 2024. So end of next year is okay. going to be fully implemented. So theoretically, and I, and I stress the term theoretically, because rail cars of corn are still going into Mexico, plenty of it. And we're happy about that. Uh, but if they go by what uh, the president of Mexico has said, then uh, the GM corn imports are meant to be phased out. Uh, uh, PDQ, I guess you could say. All right, PDQ, pretty darn quick. Angus, you mentioned we've got lots of rail cars full of GMO corn heading into Mexico presently. How would this impact hit the U.S. corn industry if if Mexico follows through on this? So our friends in Mexico are the second biggest buyer of American corn, uh, anywhere from 17 to 20 million, 20 million metric tons. Uh, let's say our number one China, uh, number one uh uh, customer is China, and let's say they're at something like 21 to 23 million metric tons. Of course, it ebbs and flows, as your listeners know. But Mexico is a close second. Um, to put that in terms of dollars and cents, Mike, about 4.7 billion 
dollars uh, is is uh, that's the value of what Mexico buys in 2021 marketing year. Uh, soybeans is a distant second at like something like two point uh, two point eight, um, and then dairy is, is third and on down the line. So corn is still our number one agriculture export to Mexico, and we really want to, you know, protect that market. And I just think. Um, the 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 president of mexico has just gotten some bad advice on this one and we're gonna have to try to find a way to walk it back to make sure that his population and and the working class that he says he speaks out for and i have no doubt that he does doesn't suffer the most mike because you know the most vulnerable are are, are are those below the the poverty line and they're the ones who are most impacted by inflation Absolutely. I mean, the reason Mexico is buying this corn from the U.S. is because it makes economic sense. So, uh, Angus, if we see that end, I imagine corn prices in Mexico are going to go up, I would assume. That's going to hit livestock uh, feeders down there south of the border. Are they pushing back on this at all? They are. But I think a lot of, and it's not unique to the country of Mexico, a lot of times um, associations, industries, can be intimidated by opposing government directives. So some of the most, the hardest hit, haven't been that that visible, that vocal. Of course, um, you know, uh, here at National Corn Growers, uh, we represent the uh, farmers with the pitchfork. So we're not afraid <laughs> to, to um, be troublemakers um, and, and try to encourage our government to do the right thing and, and keep these keep this market open. But uh, they have been a, a lot of the private sector and a lot of our customers down there um, have been hesitant to speak up for fear of getting crossways with the Mexican government. I understand that. I'm sympathetic to that. However, there is the um, one big farm group called CNA. And you were talking about the economics of this, Mike. And uh, CNA uh, represents livestock sector, among many other agriculture producers. And they have said, look, we've run the numbers uh tortilla prices could go up 30 percent in the first year and you know mexico eats more tortillas both white corn and yellow corn tortillas than any other country um it's very much a staple there and then they also looked at the cost of of eggs and different types of proteins meat and so on and also see price shocks there so uh, cna has been instrumental in trying to i don't know put its arm around <laughs> the mexican officials and say say uh you need to be you need to be very deliberative in how you um in in how you try to implement or better yet roll back this directive that certainly makes sense let's assume they go forward with this angus what is the u.s government response is there any option under the usmca treaty for keeping this market open yes sir the 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 big lever the big shiny red button <laughs> uh pick your analogy is u.s mexico canada agreement and that was ratified just a few years ago and there are provisions on biotechnology this is to get a bit technical a sanitary phytosanitary issue some of your 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 listeners will be familiar with um cross-border sps matters where basically you got to prove that what you're selling whatever kind of product if it's a commodity or whatever is safe for humans in the environment and so what mexico is alleging and we think this this is at odds with what what the deal we made in USMCA uh, uh, with Canada, US, and Mexico, 
we all agree that we're going to regulate biotechnology on scientific evidence. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm honestly, Mike, kind of amazed that we're still having these, uh, can I call them debates about, about GMOs when we've been eating GMOs for 25, 30 years. Nobody's had so much as a tummy ache. But there we are. I know there are certain activist groups who have who've long been against uh, GM technology. And of course, there's a there's a movement against uh, Roundup. So we're trying to, you know, we're trying to deal with that. But USMCA doesn't allow for or, you know, when you make a trade agreement, if you want to be part of a rules based trading system, you have to agree to say, look, um, we're going to use uh, a, a common regulatory framework. That's- That's true. Angus, we're going to end it there, though, folks. Learn more at ncga.com. That's National Corn Growers. Keep abreast of this issue as it changes. Stick around for more AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. 2022 will be remembered for chaos between war, inflation, and weather. But if there's one thing farmers know, it's that there's no such thing as normal. That's why this year's DTN Ag Summit will focus on strategies to help conquer the chaos and ways farmers can build endurance for their business. Hear from leaders at CHS, Bayer, and Corteva, as well as farmers from across the country, all from the comfort of your home or office. Join us for this completely virtual event held December 12th and 13th. Register today at DTN.com slash Ag Summit. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations 
solutions to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. Certainly appreciate being a part of your day today. And my goodness, what a day it is. We continue to see policy actions impacting agriculture. We've got some market volatility we will address in segment three with Arlen Suderman. All of these things make it tough to run a farm business. And joining us now is Katie Dellinger. She is the farm business editor over at DTN. They are getting excited for the DTN Ag Summit. It's coming up and certainly plenty to discuss. Katie, from your perspective as a farm business editor, what were some of the big stories this past year that you've seen really change the way farmers should think about their business? Well, you know, Mike, it's really been quite a year in, in agriculture, as I'm sure you've talked about um, with all of your guests today and over the past several months. It really kind of all started, I think, the big wrench that got thrown out there, the, the black swan, if you will, was when Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And it really threw that big um, curveball to all of the global markets, not just for grain, but for fuel in the financial space and all of the chaos that seemed to throw into the global uh, marketplace. It really changed the price situation for farmers, taking one of our top corn um, and oilseed exporters out of the marketplace um, due to some of that volatility. It created, um, you know, the, the reaction to it and what Russia was facing created some havoc in the fuel markets. We saw that with diesel prices in some places hitting $6 or more um, throughout the summer. And then you really look at what that did to the fertilizer space as well. And just from the input side, that's been wild for farmers. And that's really only half the equation. You know, they still have to sell their crops. There's still a lot to do. So it's just been a wild year in 2020. 22. It certainly has. And I think chaos truly is the best year or the best word for it. It seems like we wake up, see another headline, all of a sudden the markets are moving in a big way. And that leads me, Katie, to the DTN Ag Summit. The theme this year is conquer the chaos. Talk to us a little bit about who you've got coming to present. You know, we've got a really interesting lineup, Mike, this year. I'm really excited for it. Um, we're going to be kicking it off with Gary Halverson. He's the Senior VP of Customer Engagement at CHS. And he's going to speak with us a bit about how CHS and other large agricultural companies have been forced to pivot um, given these global supply chain issues um, and what's gone on there. And then also talking a bit about the way farmers need to adjust as well. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Um, as you know, policy has also been a really big focus um, this year, and we're moving into another farm bill year. The farm bill is up for um, renewal and, and um, opened up next year for 2023. So we're going to have two Farmville 
veterans on our program, um, former Representative Colin Peterson and former Senator Pat Roberts, um, will be joining us together to share their insights as to what it's going to take to get a farm bill across the finish line this year, given the, the nature of Congress we have and, and what's going on in agriculture. Neither of those gentlemen are serving or working on this farm bill, so they've got a really good sort of what I call the inside out perspective. They've done it many times together, um, and they're going to give it some perspective um, from not being in Congress. Yes, it will be interesting. I heard uh, former Representative Peterson present earlier this fall. And, you know, now that he is no longer serving, he does, I think, have a little more freedom to express his thoughts. And they are unvarnished conversations. I do always appreciate those with uh, with Rep. Peterson. And, you know, Katie, you mentioned how CHS is pivoting their business. This past year, we've seen not just farms at, at the family level need to make adjustments. We've seen it impact entire agribusiness global companies. And I've got a feeling it's probably not going to get much better here this next year, right? We expect this chaos to likely continue. Right. And one thing farmers know, Mike, is that there's really no such thing as normal. If there's, if it's normal, something is is weird or wrong. Something's always changing, in, especially in the agriculture space. It is such a risky business because there's so little of it that you can control as a business owner or operator versus some other businesses. And so from this global perspective of what these companies are having to change. In a lot of ways, we've seen a shift um, from the just-in-time to companies having an inventory and seeing that as an important part of their business. We're seeing that in the stock market and some things with some retailers where that inventory is becoming a burden. Um, but that's a change in the way, the nature of business that companies are adjusting to, especially with everything going on, you know, with the continued COVID lockdowns in China and all of the differences there. There's just, you know, there's no such thing as normal in agriculture and farmers are, are really, you know, they've got to, it seems like the pace of change continues to happen faster and faster every year. It does. Katie, that is a fantastic point. It, it does seem like it is constantly accelerating. And so it's worth noting the DTN Ag Summit this year will be December 12th and 13th. So just two weeks away from now, we're seeing lots of policy action taking place. Chris Clayton will be presenting the DTN Ag Policy Editor. Will he be able to bring the attendees up to speed on what has happened here over the last couple of weeks? Yes, I think Chris is going to. Chris is always a great addition um, to to our programs at Ag Summit. He's a valuable member of our team at DTN because he is just so tuned in to everything that's happening. He's going to be moderating our, moderating our panel with. Um, uh, with Peterson and, and Roberts, but he's also going to be moderating a, a really interesting discussion on carbon credits and sort of the carbon market that's out there for farmers, you know, kind of tying into some of this policy and what's going to drive um, the next year. I think there's a lot of questions and um, a lot of real momentum building behind some of these carbon programs. And our goal with our panel is, and, and with our discussion around this, is really to bring farmers some clarity or some ideas as to how these programs can go to work for their businesses. Because this is a trend now that, that Mike doesn't seem like it's going to be going away. And if anything, it's likely to accelerate. That pace of change um, and direction seems to be headed full bore in that way. So we're going to have representatives from Agoro, Bayer, and Corteva with us to discuss um, their, the differences between their programs, the directions of the markets, but we're also going to have some farmer perspective in there as well about how carbon markets are affecting business on sort of that baseline level. That will be fantastic. And is neat, we're far enough into the carbon
carbon market discussion that we're seeing some payments go out, we're seeing some farmers re-sign up, and now we can kind of assess how these programs are working. That will be a good discussion. Katie, and I'm, I'm also curious, you know, one of the things we've seen climbing is the capital requirements to get in agriculture and the challenges that can create when transitioning a business. Will that be a topic of conversation at the, uh, the summit? Absolutely. It always is, Mike. That's always one of our, our, our top considerations. We're going to have a, a presentation from Lance Woodbury, who's our, our family farm business advisor at DTN and the Progressive Farmer. Um, and he's going to give some perspective on how to make um, that family element work. We've also got a really good discussion with the winners of this year's America's Best Young Farmers and Ranchers Award winners about that sort of transition. Although a few in that group, you know, are starting up their farms without coming from a farming family um, or a farm family background, and they face their own issues, um, especially as far as lending and capital requirements and how to sort of build and, and be able to enter the business without the financial backing of generations of family without being able to you know negotiate renting land from your grandparents or from other members of the family and how to really building from nothing so we've got a really good conversation with a group of um really dynamic farmers i was very impressed i got a chance to meet with those winners in nashville just a week or two ago um, that conversation is one folks should really tune in for because there's a lot to learn from those folks and the the struggles they've, they've been through to get to where they are and then where they see themselves going. We've got a great group of, of winners this year. Lots to discuss at the summit. And in years past, Katie, this event has been in Chicago. This year, it's virtual. The, what's, uh, how can folks access it and view the event? You know, if you log on to dtn.com backslash Ag Summit, it has all of the registration details. We've got a really innovative platform um, for this event this year. So farmers will be able to watch the live stream, see the chat, do everything pretty in an interactive basis. We're going to have some fun elements to it too. And you know, Mike, we decided to go virtual this year, largely due to the responses we, we got from our attendees and from folks. In 2020, we were forced to go virtual because of COVID. We could not get uh, a space in a hotel to do a meeting for our group and so we did a we pivoted and did a virtual event then and it was really well regarded and when we went back to an in-person event in 2021 we just got floods of emails of folks saying wait you're not going to have this virtually it was really great not to have to leave the farm travel to chicago in winter face either getting stuck in the snow driving there or flight delays or you know going to chicago um, they really like the ability to attend from their farm or their home or wherever they were to really get the content they needed um, and engage in a way that worked for their daily um, flow in their in their business without having to leave the business so we decided to go virtual in 2022 and we're really excited we've gotten great feedback from from our audience so far we've got a good registrant a good number of registrations so far but of course you know we'd love to see even more of your your listeners um, with us for that event absolutely and folks get registered go to dtn.com slash ag summit you can sign up and see all the details right there that's katie Dellinger, farm business editor at dtn katie thanks for joining us today thank you so much for having me and stick around more aoa coming up after this agriculture of america is brought to you by senex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils oils that run smart 
We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. As we look at Wednesday's market trade, grains and oil seeds have come off their highs through mid-morning. With soybeans still the upside leader, we did get a sale of soybeans reported to China on the morning wire, uh, 136,000 metric tons for this current marketing year. Overall, though, we're in that holiday malaise time period with not a lot of fresh news in the markets. We will be watching China demand and their COVID issues and their economy closely here in this market trade. We're also watching weather in South America with dryness in Argentina an issue, but not an issue that's really weighing into the market trade too heavily right now as Brazil looks pretty good. We're also watching that China-Brazil relationship. Will China start to import more soybeans and corn from Brazil? What could that do to U.S. demand from China? We're watching that closely. We got a slew of economic reports and economic data that is scheduled for release today as traders close out the month of November. And that's another note here as well as we look at the overall commodity trade on the day today. It is the end of the month. We get a little bit of position squaring and get traders maybe making some different moves, getting out of some positions. So that could lend itself to some volatility here on the session today. Livestock trade mostly lower now. Hogs did start higher, but have backed off as we work through the session. Crude oil up about 3 to 4%, a little over $2 a barrel higher. Last look uh, at 80.58, up $2.38, with the Dow Jones down about 90 points. We see the corn market mixed, a couple of cents either side of unchanged with soybeans. One to five higher, bean meal is higher, but bean oil is turned lower, while the wheat markets are up moderately. With Kansas City winter wheat leading the way on the back of more low crop ratings in the final crop progress report released yesterday. You're listening to AOA. That's a look at the markets for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell 
everything's changed. It is tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA Today. Joining us next is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist over at StoneX. Arlen, always appreciate our discussions. Thanks for joining us today. Good to be back with you, Mike. I've got a question for you, Arlen. In the overnights, we saw soybean rally fairly substantially up 8 to 10 cents. I also saw news of a landslide in Brazil closing the port rather, of Paranagua. I'm guessing those two things were connected in the overnight trade? Um, well, maybe, but not necessarily accurately so, or justifiably so, maybe it's a better way of saying it. As we talked to our people on the ground in Brazil yesterday, um, they said, yes, there is a landslide. No, it's not really affecting exports. And in fact, we're just seeing reports now that uh, rail has been restored through there, moving corn and soybeans and some com other commodities, including, I think, sugar through. Um, and they had enough stocks in the ports the last of the weekend anyway. And so while truck traffic is still limited, they are getting some rail through and they're moving things. So we don't really see it affecting exports at this point. Okay, Arlen, how has Brazil been running on their export pace so far this fall? Uh, they've been running rather strong, and part of that reason has been because of our strong dollar and because of our high freight rates on the Mississippi due to low water levels, and that has had China going back and trying to pull as much old crop stocks out of uh, Brazil as it can, battling with domestic crushers for those supplies. Uh, and that has reduced uh, the amount of export sales that we have made here in the States. Brazil has stayed rather competitive, not because their offers were low, but because ours were so high because of the strong dollar and because of the uh, low water levels on the Mississippi. Um, and so they are draining those supplies down. Um, and just as they're getting down now, they were, were what, a month away from harvest and uh, probably actually a little less than that for some of the soybeans that were planted early. Um, and uh, so China was looking like it was going to have to buy quite a few more beans from us. Now suddenly Argentina re kind of reinstates its uh, what I call pesos for dollars program uh, that they did in September. Back then they were offering 200 pesos for every dollar's worth of soybeans sold. In other words, farmers sell the soybeans based on the U.S. Chicago Board of Trade dollar price on the international market. They convert those to pesos and uh, uh, the conversion, official conversion rate is 166 pesos per dollar. Well, back in September, Argentina was offering 200 pesos. So that was a windfall for the farmers, and they dumped about 12 million metric tons on the market. And China jumped in and snatched up about 3 million metric tons of that, which displaced U.S. soybean export sales. Well, now they're reinstating the program and paying 230 pesos per dollar, so even more lucrative. And uh, so far through the first couple of days of the program, I think they've sold a little over, uh, farmers have sold a little over a half million metric tons so far. It's going very well for them, um, very well for the Argentine government. Um, but uh, China is expected to pick up about one to one and a half million metric tons of those soybeans. They, our cash sources in China 
tell us that they need about 4 million metric tons to bridge the gap until new crop Brazilian supplies become available. So if they get about 1 to 1.5 million metric tons there, they pick up, continue to pick up a few cargoes from Brazil. That means they probably need to buy a little bit, uh, 2 plus million metric tons from us yet. Uh, and then they'll pretty much be done until they drain Brazil once again later next year. All right. Given that that's what China is up to, and we expect to see those soybean purchases scale back, Arlen, are we seeing a drop in basis on that bean export front at all quite yet? Yeah, we have, um, you know, and part of it's because we have seen some improvement on the Mississippi River with increased moisture, uh, but some of it is uh, because customers like China have just given up uh, confidence that they'd be able to get beans delivered and quit ordering um, quit buying soybeans for Gulf delivery. Um, so we've seen that reduced demand because of that lack of confidence because of the low water levels. So that's part of the reason that the basis has pulled back from its early highs. All right, Arlen, you touched on the strength of the U.S. dollar earlier and how that has helped move more products out of Brazil. We're expecting a fairly consequential speech from Fed Chairman Jerome Powell later today. Where do you think it goes from here or what is the trade watching broadly in his comments? Well, the trade is expecting to hear something from uh, Powell indicating that uh, we're real, they're willing to really slow the pace of rate hikes. Uh, and, and we very well may be, see a slowing of the rate. I think he'll probably try to walk both sides of the line here and say, yeah, we're going to slow the pace of the rate hikes. Maybe that's uh, something we should consider, but we're still going just as high in the end. Uh, and, and how high is that? The market keeps saying that it, you know, keeps saying what it thinks as far as where peak interest rates are going to be. But the market continues to be wrong uh, because uh, the Fed keeps doing being more aggressive than what the market thinks it will be. The bottom line is, and the Fed seems to have captured this religion now, this belief that we have never tamed inflation in this country without taking interest rates above the rate of inflation. And right now we're at three and three quarters percent. And even if you see some supply chain issues start to correct themselves, as we have seen, there's no longer a, a waiting of ships outside, you know, offshore on the west coast now waiting to be unloaded. There's no backlog of ships there anymore. So some of that has been relieved. We still have a lot of other issues that are out there, a lot of long-term well-ingrained issues. And one of the pr problems with inflation right now is where it's most ingrained is in the property sector because we held you know, we told people they didn't have to pay rent or couldn't be foreclosed on for so long, didn't have to make their payments. Well, um, now those property values are really starting to go up. The rent values are really starting to go up. And, and the other sector we're seeing, and that tends to take a while to play out, the other place we're seeing it is really in the service sector. It looks like inflation has become very ingrained in our service sector. In the service sector, that's because they are very labor-intensive. And wage inflation now is running 5 to 6%. And uh, as uh, Kansas City Fed Chair recently said, Esther George, that unless you get wage inflation down, overall inflation will just come down to that rate and won't go any lower. So that would mean that perhaps interest rates will have to go up in that 5 to 6% level at least. Um, and right now the market's up to maybe 4 and 3 quarter to 5% is what it's saying. So I think there's probably more upside than market, what the market realizes. And so they'll be listening to see today if Jerome Powell gives any indication of that. 
Okay. All right. We'll be watching for that uh, speech coming out later this afternoon. Arlen, in the meantime, as we were ramping up these conversations about a pending recession, we saw crude oil completely fall apart, get down there, touch 73 bucks. It has now rallied back up to that $80 level in the West Texas Intermediate. Was, was that the low in crude, do you think, or is there more weakness ahead? Well, I, I legally cannot answer that question whether that was the low or not, but I can say this. Um, we saw a tremendous amount of fund liquidation, speculative fund liqu liquidation of their positions. That's because European countries were set to, are set to make a decision um, by this weekend, the first of next week, on what their ceiling price is going to be for Russian crude oil. And so a lot of speculators said, we don't know what's going to come out of that. We don't think a ceiling's necessarily going to work, but it does create a lot of uncertainty in the global marketplace. So we're just going to get out of our positions. And so we saw those positions liquidated. Well, now that that speculative position is liquidated, crude oil can actually kind of focus on some of the supply and demand fundamentals that are out there. Uh, and when you look at the supply and demand fundamentals, yes, there is concern about China's uh, COVID policies that's really dragging its economy down. There are concerns about the U.S. economy, but the U.S. economy has been very resilient thus far. So has much of the rest of the global economy. And there is a sense within the oil industry that with OPEC continuing to cut production and the fact that we've used up many of, we've been living on, in the, in the shale oil basins, we've been living on a lot of wells that were started but not finished prior to COVID. Well, now we've kind of gotten through that. So that means we need new investment in new oil wells, and investors are reluctant to make that investment with the current administration's war on fossil fuels. So we're facing a potential shortage in 2023 or 2024 of crude oil in the world. Um, and so the timing of that is a question mark. It's going to be hinge around what happens with Russia and Europe, as well as China reopening. But if China were to make that decision to reopen, we could suddenly find ourselves with quite a shortage of crude oil in the world. Okay, that is something to keep an eye on there. Arlen, while we've got you on the line here, I'm curious about the cattle market. We saw a very strong kill over the Thanksgiving week. It seems like consumers are still out there buying it. Is there Are there legs left here under this live cattle trade? Oh, that's the big question mark. Uh, we certainly have seen some big numbers. The, the processors have had incentive to pull those cattle forward, and that's what they've been doing. They've been fighting, and, and the feeders have some leverage now. Now is when we start seeing the decline in the numbers going forward as we go into 2023 because we've been culling the, the cow herd for the last couple of years. So it's going to come down to how much is a consumer willing to pay for a tighter supply of beef. Uh, and that's a question yet to be determined by what money supply is and how does the consumer feel about the economy. Right now, consumer sentiment is rather low. If we start to see the consumer sentiment come back after the first of the year, we could see the willingness to pay more. And we've certainly seen that in the past with better consumer sentiment. That would suggest that we do have more upside potential there. It all comes back to what those consumers have in their pockets. Folks, we have been talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with Stonex. And Arlen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. And folks, stick around. When AOA returns, we'll be talking with Charles Barrett, the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Farmers Business Network. Stick around. More AOA coming up after this.
Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. 2022 will be remembered for chaos between war, inflation, and weather. But if there's one thing farmers know, it's that there's no such thing as normal. That's why this year's DTN Ag Summit will focus on strategies to help conquer the chaos and ways farmers can build endurance for their business. Hear from leaders at CHS, Bayer, and Corteva, as well as farmers from across the country, all from the comfort of your home or office. Join us for this completely virtual event held December 12th and 13th. Register today at DTN.com slash Ag Summit. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. <laughs> I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. 
It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. Keeping farmers informed, that is the benchmark of what we try to do here at AOA, and it's also a great thing to do this time of year. Get together with other farmers, connect, talk about the industry, the challenge you're facing, and maybe learn some new solutions. Well, there is another avenue to do just that coming up this next week. It's the Farm Business Network Farmer to Farmer Conference getting together in Omaha, Nebraska. Joining us now for an update is Charles Barrett. He is the co-founder and chief innovation officer over at Farmers Business Network. And Charles, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, great to be with you, Mike. Let's talk about Farmer to Farmer. It is less than a week away. Give listeners who have never been an overview. What all happens at the event? Well, it's, it's a tremendously fun, uh, exciting, interesting, educational, and inspiring event. And it's we haven't been able to do it for three years uh, after the pandemic, and so we're really excited to bring it back. Uh, it's Omaha, December 6th through 8th, and we'll have over 3,000 folks coming in from all over North America uh, all, all across Canada and nearly all 50 states uh, here in the U.S. And it's leading producers of all crop types um, coming to share insights and practices, meet one another, uh, connect and just sort of debrief after the year and then get ready for next year. Um, and so there's a full range of programs over three days uh, from producer education uh, to uh, keynotes from folks like Jocko Willink, a Navy SEAL podcaster, uh, Alex Honnold, who's a legendary rock climber, is the subject of the movie Free Solo, and Peter Zihan on geopolitics. Uh, and then over 80 speakers uh, around uh, topics in agriculture, agronomy, markets, uh, input supply chain, you name it. It, it is a fantastic event. Peter Zion, of course, a great analyst. He's been a guest on this show before. And Charles, one of the neat things about Farmer to Farmer is that it's not just one event. It's actually kind of a collection of different events farmers can go to that align with what they're, what they're seeking to learn more about. And I know this year you're doing the Climate in Ag Summit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
that's right. Yeah. So on uh, the first day of Farm and a Farmer, on Tuesday, December 6th, uh, next Tuesday, we'll have the Climate NAG Summit uh, co-hosted with NASA, uh, NASA Harvest. Um, and we have uh, researchers and um, uh, analysts from around academia, as well as uh, from the government, from FBN zone analysts, uh, and from industry uh, coming to talk about uh, what climate science is saying about changing cropping patterns, changing weather patterns, access to irrigation, the future of irrigation, uh, and what, what, is, what are sort of long-range uh, outlooks and forecasts. So that'll be a very, very interesting um, uh, session on the afternoon of Tuesday, December 6th. So anyone who's interested in long-range weather forecasts or irrigation, especially if you're in the Central Plains, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll find a lot uh, to value there. Absolutely. Water is a hot topic, and that is not going to fade going into the future. Charles, you're also doing a university on farm finance. I imagine we're going to see some changes with the adjustments and in interest rates coming this next year. What can folks learn if they make it to that uh, segment? We, we do. We have, a, uh, we have a, a university track on that afternoon again on Tuesday the 6th on, on farm finance, sort of farm CEO skills uh, around uh, futures and options. Um, farmland uh, trends that we're seeing in interest rates um, and what folks are doing around land management, uh, and then a big session on risk management as well, how to integrate uh, integrated insurance plans um, with uh, a uh, comprehensive marketing strategy. So that, that session is at the same time uh, on Tuesday, December 6th in the afternoon, but we're really excited because that's where uh, our, our FBN experts as well as uh, outside speakers uh, will be uh, joining for producer education. And you know, all of these sessions are going to give listeners things to think about. And if you're like me, folks, a lot of times you want to talk about these ideas once they happen. What are the neat things of farmer to farmer, Charles? And hopefully you can spend a little time on it. Are the crop circle concept? Can you explain what crop circles sure. are and how they work in this con? In this uh, this uh, in. Yeah, absolutely. So crop circles are kind of one of the hallmarks of farm to farmer. Um, it's where our members create uh, many peer groups. And, and one of the great things you always find is that, um, you know, farmers really love sharing uh, advice with one another. They just maybe don't want to do that with their neighbor. And, um, you know, it's a little easier to have very frank and very honest discussions about your business or what's, what the challenges are, get, get help uh, or get, get other advice. Uh, when it's someone from uh, another state or maybe even another country, but who's dealing with a similar business issue. And so crop circles are where we uh, create uh, mini peer groups and networking sessions for our growers uh, to meet one another. And it's really just tremendously fun because you have leading farms coming in from literally all over the country. Uh, and you might be paired with farms from Montana or uh, Nebraska or Arkansas or Manitoba. Uh, and whether it's succession planning or it's, or it's business management, um, you know, farms of all types deal with the same the same issues. They just come in different colors and different stripes. They certainly do, and it's nice to have another brain to bounce things off, especially see if they've tried it and go from there. Now, Charles, we have just barely scratched the surface of everything that will be at the Farmer to Farmer Conference in Omaha this next week. If we've got listeners who are intrigued, they want to get a little more information, where's the best place to go? Um, they should go to farmertofarmer.ag, farmer2farmer.ag. Uh, tickets are free for FBN members, so go to FBN.com, create your FBN membership, which is also free, uh, and then go grab your Farmer Farmer ticket. Uh, it'll all kick off Tuesday, December 6th at 1 o'clock um, with the start of the FBN University Tracks. Crop Circles will start at 4.30, uh, and then the big day on Wednesday uh, will kick off at about 8.30, and Jocko Willink will be talking at 9. 
So it's going to be a tremendously action-packed uh, couple days. Uh, we'll have over uh, 50 leading innovators and exhibitors there from across the industry. Um, and just uh, please check out the agenda and the panels. We're going to have the first ever Farmer Olympics as well for uh, fitness and uh, mental health. So come bring the family, bring the whole, bring your partners on the farm. It's a tremendously exciting in some three days. Indeed it is, folks. That's in the Omaha Hilton. It's happening next week, December 6th, 7th, and 8th. We've been speaking with Charles Barron, co-founder and chief innovation officer at Farmers Business Network. And Charles, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Mike. Thank you. Visit that website, farmer2farmer.ag. Folks, and tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk labor issues ongoing, particularly in the dairy sector with Dr. Michael Dykes of IDFA. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.